In an overcrowded graveyard, the scream will rise. The Ghoulmates presents Not Another Spooky Podcast. Hey, Ghoulsters. Welcome back to Not Another Spooky Podcast, where I'm your ghost hostess, Mandy Spooks, and you, my listeners and community, are the co-host. On this show, we fan ghoul over spooky pop culture and learn from it, too. If you've always loved Halloween, horror, true crime, ghosts, or basically anything spooky, then you have found your spooky family. Today, we'll be grave digging into something that is sure to get you in the mood, so beware, you're in for a scare. Because today we're talking all things goosebumps. I mean, all of it, guys. I've even watched a documentary for this, so I am fully prepared. But before we send shivers down your spine, you know what time it is. Haunted housekeeping. I just wanted to take a quick moment again to thank you all for your amazing support. I have seen the reviews start to trickle in and you have no idea how nice it is to hear firsthand what this show means to you and how you're feeling about it. So just a reminder, through the end of August, anyone who writes a full review on Apple Podcasts and sends me a screenshot at Not Another Spooky Podcast on Instagram will get a personal note and stickers from me. And speaking of bonus perks, I am on a roll. We released another bonus episode this week for the new Netflix limited series, Boo Bitch. It is a spoiler-free review because if you haven't seen it yet or don't have interest in it, I'm hoping I can convince you to watch it. It is basically Mean Girls, but with a ghost. And that's all I will say for now. But you can unlock it by subscribing to the podcast for $4.99 at the link in the description, the show notes, the bio, whatever. (laughs) It gets confusing with all of these different platforms. Uh, And in case I didn't mention it, uh, Master of Scaremonies is on there with me. So you can hear us fall in love at first fright to boo bitch. (laughs) I know, very unexpected. Okay, and finally, if you are in the goosebumps mood now, you can also check out our YouTube video coming up this Sunday, I believe, where I unbox a goosebumps themed box from Not Your Average Babe Co. That is so awesome. And honestly, the whole reason why we're doing this show today So before we get into all the ghoul, nerdy, goosebump stuff, I thought we could share a cup of brew and talk about how we're keeping the spook alive. Okay, so I want to preface this with I feel like I originally created this segment with the intention to drink coffee, but since I record at night and we are right in the middle of summer, my fall vibes haven't panned out exactly. So really, I think of Witch's Brew as whatever you're drinking, and lately, I just want to get in the mood for these episodes. So this week, it's special because I'm drinking out of an actual Goosebumps glass bamboo tumbler that was in the box I had mentioned earlier. But of course, I wanted a green drink, so I picked up a green apple Jones soda. And to be honest, because for some reason, green apple anything always puts me like in an instant fall vibe anyway. So there's like a nice little handy mandy hack. (laughs) Okay, so how am I keeping the spook alive? 
Master and I have been super into hunting for records. I don't know what it is about Denver, but there's just so many cool record stores and also just used bookstores too. So we love going and seeing what spooky stuff we can find. I recently scored the Vampira vinyl and we also found some stuff from Samhain, which actually has Glenn Danzig, who was the original lead singer of the Misfits. So it's been pretty awesome to hunt for vinyl with Master because he's been teaching me a lot of spooky history and music I didn't know about. And we also attempted to try this show on Netflix called First Kill, but it wasn't the best, to say the least. Um, I think maybe we finished the first episode. I can't even remember. We're in a weird lull right now because we're waiting for all the good spooky stuff to premiere this fall. And it sucks because right now there's not much. And then we're not going to have enough time for all of it in the fall when we're out doing the spooky stuff, you know. I'm sure you know the struggle. Uh, oh, and we also binged Boo Bitch this weekend, which I already mentioned. I obviously loved it because I keep bringing it up on like every platform possible. But that's pretty much how we are keeping the spook alive these days at the Ghoulmates headquarters. And if you want to keep up with how we're keeping the spook alive every day, you can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at the Ghoulmates. And also, if you want to see more of our vinyl journey, Rudy has been doing an amazing job with his new passion project of ours called Night of the Living Vinyl on Instagram. Okay, so I promised you lots of goosebumps, didn't I? I think I'm going to have to have some kind of contest of like, let's see who can guess how many times I say goosebumps in this episode. Because when I was doing my research, it was crazy how many times I even heard the word throughout the documentary, throughout a lot of things. So speaking of the word, before we get into the crazy history of goosebumps, have you ever wondered what goosebumps actually means? why we call it that, or why we even get goosebumps when we are scared. Well, I'm going to tell you why, ghoulsters. According to the New York Times Magazine, goosebumps is a word traced by Mitford Matthews in his Dictionary of Americanisms to 1867, a variant of goose flesh probably first used in 1810 by the English poet Samuel Taylor Coleridge. According to this article written in 1982, goose pimples was a more common term, but I guess thanks to R.L. Stein, that quickly changed a few years later. So the reason we use the term goosebumps is because when we get the tiny elevations on our skin, it resembles the way, well, geese and other poultry look when their feathers are plucked. According to NPR, the reason we get goosebumps is because adrenaline stimulates tiny muscles to pull on the roots of our hairs, making them stand out from our skin. That distorts the skin, causing bumps to form. So that makes sense. Fear causes fight or flight mode. So in comes the adrenaline and out comes the goosebumps. Okay, I'll stop. That's just so fun to say it that way. Okay, so I'm going to be super transparent with you guys and share that I am actually not an OG Goosebumps fan. Oh gosh, I'm even scared to share this with you guys because I feel like I'm going to lose street cred. But look, this community is all about embracing newcomers cumber, and spooky ghouls of all levels. So I'm going to put myself out there for you guys for a change and just share that I always loved the branding for Goosebumps and the idea behind it. I mean, I obviously saw it everywhere around me, but I think I was like in third grade when I read Night of the Living Dummy and it was the first and last Goosebumps book I ever read. I guess in my head, I knew what they were alluding to with Slappy as far as possessions go. And so it really spooked me because I imagined a possessed doll when I was reading it and not just a doll that comes to life. 
you know, like, I don't know if that makes sense, but I could just tell what they were alluding to as a kid, and I couldn't get past that, like, whole idea of possession. So anyway, it makes me genuinely sad now because obviously the stories don't scare me the way that they once did back then anymore, but it also makes me feel like I missed out on a really big part of my spooky childhood, especially even more now that I have really sunk my teeth into the franchise and the history behind it. So let's get into it because I found this to be pretty chilling for lack of a better word. And I just want to preface this with please take this with a grain of salt. There is a lot of history out there and I recognize I left some of it out because well it's a lot so it's pretty much impossible to cover everything all the time you know but I covered the facts that stood out to me the most at least so much like the movie R.L. Stein really did originally write on a typewriter he found at the age of only nine years old he used to write little stories and was inspired by horror comics like Tales from the Crypt but he actually originally set out to write humor until one day he thought he wanted to write something that was like Twilight Zone but for kids and so in 1992 Goosebumps was born The original Goosebumps series ended up being a collection of 62 books selling over 400 million books worldwide in over 30 languages. Guys, I knew Goosebumps was big, but I had no grasp of how big it truly was. First, it got its own Halloween TV series in 1996 called Halloween Bash The Haunted Mask featuring the Crypt Keeper himself, which is still said to be one of the best Halloween specials ever. Then it got its TV series with a whopping 74 episodes and one of the most iconic TV theme songs of all time, and it aired in over 100 countries. This franchise was so big that basically if a product existed, there was a Goosebumps version of it. There were exclusive book sets, VHS movies, PC games, board games, video games, merch, snacks, toys, screen machines, shoes, school supplies. If you could put a price tag on it, you could put the Goosebumps name on it. Needless to say, around 1997, there was fatigue in the market over the once highly coveted spooky books. So in 1998, they tried to release a new series of Goosebumps books called Series 2000 to try and meet the demand for scarier content. They even created a Goosebumps stage show that was in select parks to try and keep the name alive. But... The TV series was canceled and book sales declined despite their efforts to revamp them with new cover art. For a few years, Goosebumps took a backseat to none other than our favorite wizard, Harry Potter. But by the time the final Harry Potter book was released, Scholastic needed a new thing to market. In March 2008, Goosebumps was resurrected for the first time in over a decade with Goosebumps Horrorland. Then, the third printing of the original Goosebumps series was released. It appeared Goosebumps was really making a comeback in 2013 when the hit TV series finally hit Netflix. And not long after, in 2015, the feature film was finally brought to fruition, which is what we're here to talk about today. Okay, so in, on October 16, 2015, Goosebumps was released. It was directed by Robert Letterman, starring Jack Black as R.L. Stein, Dylan Minnette as Zach, and Odea Rush as Hannah. So this movie surprisingly has, I think, I think maybe it's just right, actually. Not surprising. <laughs> um, the movie has a Rotten Tomatoes audience rating of 62%. So the summary on IMDb reads... 
A teenager teams up with the daughter of young adult horror author R.L. Stein after the writer's imaginary demons are set free on the town of Madison, Delaware. So some interesting history about the film. Interesting and kind of sad, actually. This movie was in the works for so long that it had two iconic spooky names potentially behind it. George A. Romero actually initially wrote a first draft for the film, and at one point Tim Burton was going to produce it, but it fell through both times. Talk about variety and how different the film could have been. On one hand, we would have had the father of zombies behind it, and on the other, we would have had Johnny Depp as R.L. Stein. <laughs> I kid, I kid. To be honest, we could have he could have probably pulled it off as well. Very different, but still amazing. Um, the reason this movie took so long to actually happen, actually over 20 years to be exact, is because there were so many books, they could never decide which one to adapt for the feature film. And finally, someone thought to make a new story out of all the books. Okay, so I gave my history with the books, but I didn't share my history with the movie yet. So when the movie came out, I really wanted to see it. But it came out back before I was living my authentic spooky life, so I didn't really have anyone to go see it with. And I don't think I ended up seeing the movie until a few years later when I was on a flight, and I think Southwest had it as one of the free movies to watch on their little service, you know? Uh, and I enjoyed it so much that I ended up making Rudy watch it with me again after. And so my love for Goosebumps was officially born at that time, not like the time I finished the book and said, not again. <laughs> And I actually wasn't sure if the movie was going to be a hit for you guys or not. But it turns out that the Goolster community loves it, too. I think this is the first time I feel like all of you were in agreement with everything I was personally feeling about the film. Something I really love about this movie is that it's supposed to be a family film, but it's actually fun for all ages. Like as an adult, you're not watching it bored and rolling your eyes. And even though I don't have kids, it looks like my thoughts were right on point because my co-host Frank A17 said, love that no matter what, my son and I can watch it any day, any time, end quote. So I think it's awesome that parents can enjoy this film just as much as their kids do because I can imagine it's hard to always enjoy the kiddie stuff. So this is truly a fun Halloween film for all ages. And of course, it goes without saying, but I love to hear you guys say it. The biggest reason this film is such a hit among the community is because of the nostalgia. Sweet Grass Gypsy said she loves the old school feeling of the monsters. And Emmy Lynn 14 said, I love the nostalgic memories it gives me from growing up with the Goosebumps series, end quote. I really enjoyed reading all your thoughts because since I wasn't well acquainted with the books, I obviously didn't appreciate the movie at the level that you all did. Hauntingly Cute said, I love the twist about her being the girl next door ghost, though. It was one of my favorite Goosebumps stories, end quote. Guys, I didn't even realize the ghost story was actually a book. I figured it was just a plot twist for the movie. So now I wonder how many of you caught onto it right away as you were watching the movie for the first time. I might end up posting a follow-up question to that on Instagram because I'm just curious, like, how many people caught onto that right away. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Okay, and then there were two opposing consensuses, did I say that right, consensuses, <laughs> that I feel are actually very related. On one hand, Looky Cookie and Hauntingly Cute hated Slappy's design, and on the other, Toil and Trouble and Wild Rose 01 said they loved Jack Black. 
first of all, I couldn't agree more about Jack Black. I truly feel that he brought R.L. Stein to life in a way that readers and viewers really needed. And that is no offense to Stein in any way. He did a great job of always putting himself out there. But I feel like the way Jack Black plays him, I mean, I think that is how eccentric we picture the author of these iconic stories to be, you know? I think he created R.L. Stein the persona. I hope that makes sense because I love R.L. Stein and have so much respect for him, but Jack Black just really made him into the spooky author you'd imagine in the actual movie, and I think that's why he did so well. Anyway, I'm digressing. I was going to say I also think the reason Slappy looks so kiddish and corny is because he kind of looks like Jack Black. I mean, if you think about it, Slappy calls him Papa and he's an extension of R.L. Stein. So to me, it makes sense that he looks the way he does because they're meant to make him look like Jack Black with those cheeks and eyes, you know, you're going to see it now and you're going to be like, Mandy, you're so right. <laughs> and speaking of R.L. Stein, did you catch the real R.L. Stein's cameo in the film. He makes a cameo and says hi to Jack Black while walking through the halls of the school at the end of the movie. The real R.L. Stein's character name was Mr. Black and Jack Black was Mr. Stein. That's confusing. So I actually want to simmer on R.L. Stein for a second. I think one of my favorite things about the movie are all the humble brags they threw in for him. It turns out that him and Stephen King actually don't have a rivalry and had surprisingly not met until close to the, re the release of this movie. But he actually didn't like all the Stephen King jokes in the movie because he says he'd never brag about himself that way. But I actually love them because I feel like it was the writer's way of bragging for him, but more so paying tribute to their favorite writer, you know? I saw it as them including that information to be like, look, if you're sitting here watching this movie, you're going to grasp how incredible R.L. Stein really is. And in a humorous way too, you know? And one last thing before we officially wrap things up, I do want to talk about the sequel for just a second. I genuinely wish that I could say I loved it just as much, but I have attempted to watch Goosebumps 2 twice now, and I have not been able to complete it. I want to like it so bad because of all the Halloween elements in it, but the story is rough. There's not much character development, so it's hard to care about the characters, and it just takes way too long to get interesting, so I'm really sorry, but for me, the second movie was a no-go. But on to positive things, because it's time for It's freaking Bats. All right, so like I said, I am so happy that you all love this moochie, this, moochie <laughs> this movie as much as I do. The Ghoulster score for Goosebumps was four bats. Like I said, I am really surprised by that score. Um, I'm honestly really torn because uh, I don't know what to give it. I think I'm going to go with four bats as well. It is a fun watch, and I genuinely don't really hate anything about it. But I also wouldn't say it's like the best movie ever, if that makes sense. But it's definitely a must watch and something to watch when you want to get all the spooky nostalgia feels. However, I will mention that my one gripe with the film is that they didn't use the song from the TV series. In case you didn't know, there is a new Goosebumps show coming to Disney+. Plus, So I'm really hoping that they revive the song. But in the meantime, I'll keep playing my vinyl featuring the motion picture soundtrack by our favorite spooky composer, Danny Elfman, because it really isn't bad. It's just like you wish it was the one from the show, you know? <laughs> okay, and now the moment I have been waiting for. If you're not binging with us, then you can't sit with us because it's time for Bloody Bingeworthy. 
If you are joining us for the first time, this segment is at the end of the show so that those who decide to binge Spooky TV with me can hear me fangle over the latest episodes we watched. You can always find what episodes are coming up in the show notes. So this week we binged The Vampire Diaries Season 1, Episodes 15 through 17. According to IMDb, the summaries read... Matt's long-lost mother appears, and Sheriff Forbes asks Damon to be part of a fundraising bachelor auction. Anna brings a surprising guest to pay a visit to Damon. Elena and Stefan go on an awkward date with Caroline and Matt, and Stefan is forced to make a frightening decision. Matt is hopeful that his mom, Callie, will stay, and after Caroline's car breaks down in a storm, she makes a horrific discovery that shocks everyone in town. Okay, guys, if you don't agree that Damon revealing himself to Alaric the way he did was messed up, like, I don't get how he can be so mean sometimes. But at the same time, I do feel bad that Damon is, like, being considered the bad guy here, even though he actually wasn't for once. He just turned a girl who wanted to be turned. Not really what everyone else is making it seem like, honestly. And I don't know, but I feel like Elena is being unreasonable because it's not like he knew she was her mom when all that stuff happened. There's a lot to process here. Let's see what else. I personally thought the double date was mega cringe and unnecessary. And can that be any more obvious? I guess I'm just dumping on Elena this week, but she could have put a stop to all the reminiscing too. Like it doesn't take a genius to get that all of that would hurt Caroline's feelings. I feel bad because she can be annoying, but she also just can't seem to catch a break, you know? Moving on to the real nail biter. Guys, if you didn't switch to Team Stefan for a second when that shirt came off, you are a flat out liar. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> but on a serious note, those vampires were vicious. But again, the Elena hate train is going strong this week. Like, part of what gets me so annoyed is that she doesn't comprehend that she just makes things more complicated for Damon and Stefan sometimes. But at the same time, I also kind of low-key love how fearless she is because of how much she loves Stefan. And just to set the record straight, going back to my biggest gripe with Twilight this episode, this is how the scene should have looked when Edward bit Bella for the first time. Stefan didn't look so crazed and deranged that it made us laugh. No, it made us super worried and excited all at the same time. So on that note, I have a feeling things are going to get really exciting in the last few episodes. So just a reminder, you can always check your Ghoulster homework for the week in the show notes to find out which episodes I'll be covering next week. But this time only... I'll just let you know we are finishing this dang season for next week. I can't delay it any longer. So we're going to go finish off the rest of this season for next week. Who's excited? Because I know I am. And if you're wondering how you could be one of my lovely co-hosts, like I mentioned in today's episode, you can follow the show on Instagram at Not Another Spooky Podcast to participate in polls and questions for upcoming episodes, as well as join our free Discord server community where ghoulsters all around the world connect with each other about how they're keeping the spook alive. And as I mentioned earlier, if you want to unlock access to an exclusive channel or support the show through Anchor, you can do show at the link in our... Did I just say you can do show? You can do so at the link in our show notes. Or if you want to tip your ghost hostess, you could do that on Ko-fi as well. If you've listened this far, I'm assuming you probably already can't get enough of your new favorite spooky podcast. So... 
If you need more spook in your life, you can follow my spooky love story on the Goalmates YouTube channel and Instagram and TikTok, as well as the show's Instagram, like I mentioned. Dang, guys, I am starting to sound like a broken record around here. Somebody add a little spook to it. Spook it up, you know? <laughs> okay, and if you really enjoyed this episode, again, I would greatly appreciate if you share this podcast with another spooky soul so that, you know, more people can start to join the spooky family and fangle with us. Uh, I feel like this episode went by really fast. Let me check the time on it. We are at 23 minutes. Oh, well, I guess that's about how long the shows have been running. I am just feeling like I'm having so much fun. These are going by faster and faster. Somebody mentioned to me that they wish the show was an hour long and I think maybe the longer that this keeps going, the more interaction we'll get and we'll have more to discuss. But I think sometimes when I'm writing the scripts, it feels like, oh my God, I've written so many pages. This is going to end up being an hour long. But I talk so freaking fast that we get through this in 24 minutes, apparently. <laughs> so I apologize for that. But if you guys want the show to be longer, like I said, your interaction and engagement on Instagram are really important to help me um, fill in those scripts because you guys are my co-hosts. So until next time, sending you ghouls and kisses. Bye.